When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello and welcome to a Monday edition of the Managing Madrid podcast. We are here two days after Real Jagoda Monjuic and beat Barca 2-1, ripping the heart out of the Kules and making them all kinds of crazy. Go- going back to moral victories and talking about we deserve to win. Sure you did. Uh, we'll give you that one. You know what? We'll give you the trophy. We know how much the classical loss moral victory trophy means to you guys. Congrats. Uh, much uh, congratulations are in order. Hope you guys are partying well in Barca. Lucas is here. El Dia Después, two days after actually this time, to talk about a highly charged emotional victory, at least for us um, fans. One from one extreme emotion to the other. Really poor first half. And then Bellingham taking us over the moon by the end of it. Welcome, Lucas. How are you? Again, I'm doing fine. Thanks for having me. I'm doing better than I was doing during the first half for sure. Yeah, yeah I think we all are. Um, uh, and then, of, of course, we will uh, have to mention the fact that we went down again the next day following the news of Chuomeni's injury, which we'll get to. Um, what was your like hottest take from classical? Like, what's the what's the one take that you have that you think like might be a little bit controversial? Hmm. I would have to think twice about that. I obviously didn't <laughs> have time to prepare for this one. Interesting. Uh, I well, <laughs> we still need more from Vinicius and Rodrigo. I guess. <laughs> I guess that's that's a good take. I would think for the for the for the first half. I think that Real Madrid were lucky to be carried by by Bellingham once again. I don't know how sustainable this is. Not only Bellingham's production, but the fact that Real Madrid keep getting wins with him being basically the only uh, reliable attacker and performer, basically, on the team. So I still think that the team needs more from from Benitez and Rodrigo. People might be tired of hearing me talking about this, but I still think that this is very... Uh, uh, relevant after the what happened in the, that first half against uh, against Barcelona, I asked this to Jose and sit on the post game show the night after the, the night of of the Clasico after the game. Uh, I'm going to ask you too. Do you think Bellingham caring as much as he has to start the season offensively and really, to be quite frank, especially early on this season? Uh, in the season, scraping by with victories where we didn't play too well with goals at the end and him being largely by himself offensively for this season so far. Do you think that is masking our t- team's problems? Or I wanted to offer you a different perspective. 
do you think the fact that Vinicius and Rodrigo having not gotten going yet is a good thing because it means, well, we're doing this without them contributing that much yet. And once they do, the team will go to another level. Like, what do you think? What side are you on? Or maybe you don't have to pick a side. Maybe you're somewhere kind of acknowledging everything. I think both sides can be can be true in this regard. I think that Real Madrid have been uh, worse than their record would suggest in this third of the in this first third of the season. I think that Bellingham has masked and and covered some of the deficiencies that the team has, especially on offense. And on the other hand, I also acknowledge that if Vinicius and Rodrigo manage to get going a little bit, and I'm not talking about you know getting some crazy scoring numbers or whatever. I'm just talking about being able to contribute at the level they have proved they can contribute uh, for the last two years or so. As long as they manage to get going a little bit, Real Madrid will be way better. So the the, the margin and uh, the the room for improvement is is obviously still there because Real Madrid are leading the, the table by four points with a four-point lead with... Um, pretty uh, small contribution from from both Rodrigo and, and Benicio. So I think both both sides can be true. On one side, you can be worried and say, hey, we're in trouble if Bellingham isn't playing. And on the other, you have to hope that this uh, scoring uh, funk from Benicio and Rodrigo isn't there a month from now. Because if it is... Real Madrid will be in trouble, but I lean towards this being uh, broken and in some way or another sooner rather than later. I don't think this. I don't think Benitez and Rodrigo are the players. They are. They are. Uh, I don't think they're performing at the level they can perform right now. So I. I think the room for improvement is obvious in there. No, there's no question to me that they're not the players that they're showing right now. Um, I do remember we had similar concerns last season. And me particularly, I said, look, Vinicius is doing a lot of stuff on his own. This is going back to last season. And you know what? Benzema hasn't gotten going yet through whatever reason of injuries and 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 form and, and maybe some age issues. But once he gets back and, and starts contributing, this this team will change completely. That never really came apart from mm-hmm. one one month blitz where he went crazy. And in that one month, we actually were beating teams more comfortably, mm-hmm. whether it was Barca or Chelsea. Uh, but that that does need to arrive sooner rather than later, preferably. But look, I, I, was, I was getting worried, man, because we had three of the toughest places in La Liga we played this season. And uh, obviously, like, as much as I want to include Girona in there, and I... You know, I do. I think that was a very, very important victory going to Girona. That was the most comfortable kind of quote-unquote big game in La Liga we've we've won so far. But the Metropolitano, the sanchez Pijuan, and Clasico, at halftime, I was like, man, this is not great that we've gone into these three sta- three stadiums, three of the most hostile places we'll play, and we're just playing like this. Um, I didn't love that. We turned it around, and thank God we did. I guess my question is in these situations as always, because I'm I'm very process oriented when it comes to these things rather than results. So I'm like, okay, we, we lost or drew, we won, but how do we play? What's sustainable? What's not? 
I guess my question is always like, how much do we learn from that first half? And I think we learned some things from the Metropolitano loss in that too many was starting. It's just, it's sorry to hammer this point home so many times, but this team is completely different when Kamavinga is not in the field. And that's another big learning point that we just keep adding to the, the list of learning points. This team is just different with him on the field. And we can talk about Bellingham, obviously, like saving the day. That's really what happened. But there are a lot of surrounding pieces in the second half. And Kamavinga was one of them that I don't know if we would have dug ourselves out of it if it wasn't for him completely transforming our play, stemming from the left back position. Did we learn from this? I think so. I think so. I think so. I think that Ancelotti started the lineup he should yeah, I mean the the most predictable one, granted, and maybe Kamavinga could have and could have uh, played some minutes on the on the left back spot, but I think Ancelotti did learn from from the experience at the Metropolitano when when he left Tuameni on the on the bench. I think that Tuameni, as you mentioned, was crucial and is crucial to the team's uh, success this season. Granted, this comes with uh, with some bad news because of his injury, which we'll definitely discuss later. But uh, I think that Ancelotti has learned that he needs a defensive presence in front of the of the defensive line, that he needs uh, a pure defensive midfielder there rather than than playing cross as a as a defensive as an anchor, with having Valverde and Modric uh, alongside him. I think that Ancelotti has learned. Yeah. Well, what's interesting now is that when we talk about the injury to too many. Now the discussion changes again um, because Kamavinga is probably going to be the guy who's going to play the six now. And maybe there will be games where, where Ancelotti will put Cruz there. If he does that, I think and hope it, it'll be games like at home versus whatever small team in La Liga that won't punish you for that too much. But for the large majority of it, I think it's going to be Kamavinga as a six, as it should be, because based on the remaining squad members that we have available, he is best suited to play that role. I guess um, now the question is, will he improve certain aspects of his play playing there? Uh, I forget which game it was uh, that we played earlier this season. I'd have to look at the schedule. It was at home. I was even at the game, I think. Uh, what was the game he played as a six at home? Was it Union Berlin, maybe, one of those? Although I don't think you you covered that one from the Bernabeu. No. It must have been... Maybe I wasn't at that one. Who knows? Not entirely sure, but I, I agree with your point, yeah. Yeah, yeah the, my point was... Uh, no, it wasn't. I was at the last Palmas one, and okay. maybe it, was, it wasn't it was Osasuna, was it? Maybe I don't it think was he played as a six. I don't know. I don't know. Anyways, <laughs> the point is... Um, I think it wasn't Union Berlin. I don't know why I'm I'm trying to figure this out <laughs> so uh, adamantly on the podcast live where our listeners listen. But yeah, it was uh, it was Osasuna four 0 Okay. So the problem with that performance was that under pressure and sometimes out of like without being pressured at all, he wasn't reliable with his distribution coming out of the back. Mm-hmm. He's, for whatever reason, more reliable under pressure at the left-back position than he is as a DM. I just feel like Kamavinga is the type of player who can solve things if you give him enough reps. If you think about his evolution at the left-back position, Lucas, 
there were just some things positionally that he would struggle with and teams could yeah. exploit. But he kind of just figured it out. So I feel like if you give him enough reps at DM, he will figure it out. He's that type of player. I guess it's just, you know, this this whole situation is crazy because he just goes wherever the injured player who left the void was. And that's gonna that's his reamter career in a nutshell. He just goes wherever the team as a whole. And I think it's gonna be the six now. Yeah. Yeah, it's gonna be the six, although I also think that Ancelotti here and there when whenever he needs to make some rotation and, and use his depth, I think that maybe Ancelotti will and could um throw him at the at the left back spot and, and play Modric and Valverde with Cross in, in the midfield, even though again I I just acknowledge the fact that I think Ancelotti has learned but I also think that in in some games he can get away with using that in order to 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 use the minutes at, at his disposal and and to manage his the depth of his squad properly. So I think in some games, maybe even against Rayo, who knows? I think Bellingham could get some some rest against Rayo. I think against Rayo we will see some rotations definitely. So maybe I don't know. Maybe Ancelotti could ultimately. Uh, throw Modric in there and give him the chance to start here and there. Although, again, if he's if he wants to make some rotations, I also think that players like Fran Garcia or Mendy could also be used in in that position. I don't think Camavinga is a player who particularly needs to keep uh, playing no matter what. I think he can get some rest here and there as well. Sure, so, as long as yeah. it's not a huge game that you you know exactly. So. But he is, no matter how you spin it to me, he has to be in the Once de Gala. He has to be. So mm-hmm. figure it out. Um, it's going to be a while until Real Madrid play with, for, are forced to play with an Once de Gala with two Amini there, though. So it's going to be a while you know, after, after Christmas, really. I, I don't think it's, yeah, we're not even close to it. Um, really, yeah, you're right, not for a while. I mean, the one I'm looking at, the schedule that you, you'd probably do that, is Supercopa in Riyadh, January mm-hmm. 10th against Atletico. Mm. Not entirely sure about Chouameni there, though. Well, Maybe a bit it's too early. a two-month evaluation, know. right? Yeah. These, uh, these fractures are always tricky, though. Yeah. I, I don't think anyone knows the exact date, but let's assume yeah. it's two months on the dot, uh, which would be December 29th. And the game after that is Mallorca, January 3rd. So... A bit tricky to give him the chance to start against Atletico in an important game, I think. Physical game as well against Atletico. So mm. po- It's possible mm. that the first game will be the one after the Supercopa, which is yeah. Getafe, January 14th. Yeah, and that, and then obviously you don't need to start your own de Gala against Getafe, I, I assume. Yeah, no, but you probably need to start giving him reps. Oh, yeah, sure, sure. I mean, the, the entire Ill construction of the eleven. yeah, not only too many. Yeah, although the Champions League, we don't know our opponent and what that schedule is yet. Yeah, but that's always in February, February, right? Round of 16, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so these are the games Rayo, Braga, Valencia, Cadiz, Napoli. Those are all the games in November. And really, uh, you might even argue Valencia might be the toughest test. Mm-hmm. Nap- Napoli is that's the at better. Home though, right? It's at home. Mm-hmm. Napoli is the better opponent. But it's also a situation where you really only need one point from the remaining three Champions League group games. So in terms of importance, I'd, I'd, I'd rate the La Liga ones more at this stage. Possibly, yeah. Uh, and December is, is okay. Apart from, I mean, Betis away, that's always tough. Villarreal at home. So I, I guess I'm, this is a long-winded way of saying I'm glad 
it happened. This happened now, yeah. After Classico. <laughs> yeah, this happened now and not a month ago when he would have missed both the derby and the, both the derby, the away match in Napoli and also Classico in Barcelona. So yeah, it would have been, it would have been tougher had it happened that way. So what's interesting is that too many played the full 90 against Barca. He didn't get mm-hmm. subbed off. That was weird. He said yeah. on Twitter today that it was actually in the first half that he got injured. Did you see that? Yeah, I saw him saying it, yeah, but I didn't I didn't even notice anything during during the game, yeah. Me neither. I mean, he played fine um throughout the game. Uh, I actually have some good second half notes on him too. So maybe it's just one of those things that after the game you just kind of walking around, you might as he might he sent something or the club said a stress fracture and it's mm. on a it's very small uh, bone on his foot. So I'm guessing that it only bothers him whenever he has to uh, pass or shoot with uh, with that left foot, which might be the reason why he was able to stay on the pitch. Definitely not able to play consistently through that for the next uh, for, or for the entirety of the season. So that's why Real Madrid are definitely tackling this situation now. But I'm guessing that maybe he was fine to play 50 or 60 minutes through it if it was on his left foot and it only maybe bothered him whenever he was... Uh, Touching the ball with that left foot, maybe not with running or, or anything like that. The context, of course, was um, the his tweet was to defend Gavi. You saw yeah. that part too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm sure, I feel like everyone listening to this has probably already seen it. I don't know if we need to provide more context than that. But um, do we have anything else on too many Kamavinga? Not on well, Camavinga. I thought was brilliant off the bench. I think yeah, he, he gave Real Madrid life through that the flank. I think he was definitely brilliant, and one of the reasons why Real Madrid were able to come back. Not only to come back because the comeback was to maybe quote unquote isolated place, if you will, but Real Madrid were much better on a performance level in that second half, and I think Camavinga was one of the big reasons why. So uh, it will be interesting to see. He he now has two months to show and prove that the defensive midfielder spot is actually his favorite and the one where he can actually contribute and, and perform at a high level more often than not. I think he has two months to kind of prove his worth and prove and put the money where his mouth was, right? <laughs> Whenever he was talking and asked about about his favorite position. I think he has a very good opening right now with too many injured. Granted, I'm, I'm definitely sure that Camavinga didn't w- wish this to happen to too to many, but he now has to put uh, the money where his, ma- where his, his mouth was. So. When you see the results this season, Lucas, and you see where Riamjad are on the table, which is joint tied for first, 28 points, identical Girona, nine wins, one draw, one loss. We've scored less goals than Girona, uh, but have conceded less too. Low-key, this has been, you know, (laughs) and this is me looking at the process of it, but low-key, Lucas, we've had the best defense in the league, um, but it just still feels like it's not good enough. Is that harsh to say? It's not. It's not. I think the first goal, well, the only goal Barcelona scored on on Real Madrid on Clasico was a very poor defending from. No matter how you how you spin it, really, from Alaba, whose intensity wasn't there when he's meeting Gundogan there. Even from Chuameni, who was a bit 
careless with uh, with his misplaced pass. So the defending doesn't seem to be working all that well to me. But in the end of the day, Real at the end of the day, Real Madrid are still scoring the points. So we'll we'll have to hope that Alaba. Alaba, to me, is the biggest reason why Real Madrid's defensive line is struggling a little bit because I think Carvajal has been great so far this season. I think Rudiger has been great so far this season. And I think the, the left-back spot, even though you know it's inconsistent, I think it's not been a big weakness so far. So I think Alaba is the one player who needs to step up a little bit. And I think he can do it, but yeah. Uh, well, we've conceded the least amount of goals in La Liga, but we're... Uh sixth in expected goals against. So our, the teams mm-hmm. are missing chances against us too, and that's why the numbers may be a little bit skewed. We'll, we'll mm-hmm. analyze it again at Christmas. On Alaba, I think the thing that worried me about him in Classico particularly was that, you know, these these mistakes sometimes where maybe he just left to have the final defensive play and he just gets it wrong. I felt like he, the Classico one, there's a little bit of bad luck in that he tries to clear and it just bounces right to Gundogan. Uh, but he's had a few before as well. But, you know, I always say, like, his ball progression is so important from that position. I didn't really like his passing in the Classico. Like, there were a few times where Bellingham is making a great vertical run in front of him. He could play a through ball that he's capable of, and he just looked Bellingham off. And I don't know if it was a confidence thing. Uh, I don't know what it was. But, uh, you know, when he's not neither defending well nor the ball progression is not quite there at the level we're used to with him it can be a bit problematic um yeah i guess this is this was the question i was going to ask you Mm -hmm. are you more optimistic now than you were before the season started well, the four-point lead is important, definitely, and and not only the four-point lead, but also the the tiebreaker. Assuming you don't you don't lose the game at the Bernabeu in the second half, so in the second half of the season, so I think the four-point lead is is very important, and Real Madrid have a very good opportunity ahead of themselves to keep taking care of business now that the schedule might be a little bit more manageable ahead of the, of the Christmas break. So um, it's a matter of now Real Madrid not taking some games for granted which they've done in the past, I think. They've come out of in, in some of those games with uh, less intensity and less sense of urgency that it was required. So uh, as long as the players treat uh, this next month, they, these next two months in a serious manner, I think that Real Madrid have a good opportunity to maybe even increase their lead in, in the table. I think they're a better team than Barcelona. Barcelona has struggled a little bit this season, so... To me, it's a matter of the players kind of, again, treating the opposition the way they should treat them and, and take the game in a very serious manner with uh, with intensity and with composure from the get-go. I think the situation is, is definitely very good for, for Madrid with a four-point lead already. The fact that we're winning the quote-unquote small games is important to me. Mm-hmm. That's been a struggle of ours. Sometimes the, those, the struggle of winning those ones is more than winning the Classicos. Low-key, uh, and I, this is off the top of my head, and I did this off the top of my head after the game too, and I didn't fact-check myself, and, I'm, and I haven't fact-checked myself again. But I think, I believe, in official matches, the head-to-head with Angelotti and Xavi is now even. Mm-hmm. Is that correct? 
I don't know. I don't know. Oh, okay. I didn't, so I didn't look up the data, my... but it would be interesting. Yeah, I thought it was four wins each, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, not counting the the friendly. Not counting pre-seasons and, 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 and like yeah. okay, super cups are there, I assume. Yeah, I counted official super games. cups. Oh, okay. The, I think we've only played them twice in Super Cup in this era. One, we beat them. The other one, they beat us in the final. Right, with Xavi in charge, yeah. Yeah, with Xavi specific. I mean, with Koeman, I mean, we won all of them, I think. But mm-hmm. it seemed like we did anyway. Um, so, we kind of, like, I guess, I don't know, we're trying to figure out how to word this question to you. But I complained so much and we complained so much that, like, you know, because you just said we're better than Barcelona. I agree with that, but sometimes I just can't prove it because when we go into the Clásico, we don't play like we're better than them. But I'm talking about like an abstract of like, we should be beating these guys. Come on, we have the tools. Why are we playing this way against this team? And it's always a source of frustration for me. But then I just looked at the record. I'm like, well, maybe... Maybe we do we overblow this idea that Xavi always gets it right against Carlo and wins that battle. I think part of it is that we don't start games the way we should. Mm-hmm. But we finish them really well. And it's kind of like the equivalent of like, you know, an experienced boxer going into the ring, letting the young guy get all of his punches out, drain his energy, and then just uppercut him. I feel like that's what we're kind of doing. Um but I don't know, like, where are you on that? Like, what? I guess the question is, like, should we be approaching the Classicos a bit differently so that we don't have to fight so hard at the end? I would like to see a less conservative approach from Madrid in these big games, man. I know that Ancelotti is probably kind of scared and he has learned a little bit from what happened during uh, his first year here, in the second tenure, I mean. When Riamon were conceding goals like crazy, remember that game against Levante, remember all those first games, Shakhtar, I think it was as well, Chef, uh, Sheriff. Riamon were conceding goals like crazy, and Ancelotti ultimately decided to kind of take a more conservative approach. It happened that, that season, it happened last season as well, and it's happening this season. I would like to see Real Madrid play with a, with a less conservative approach. I think they have the personnel to do it. I think players like Chuameni, Valverde, Camavinga, Modric, Cross. Definitely Bellingham, Benicius and Rodrigo allow you and give you the opportunity to play. You know, proposing football, I don't know if, if that makes sense in English. That's the way we say it in Spanish anyway. But uh, like, yeah, control the narrative, control the tempo of the game and, and control the ball ultimately and, and, and creating chances instead of relying too much on counterattacking set pieces and and so on. So... I would like to see Real Madrid playing with this approach. And I think a player like Alaba, who is the one who's struggling the most, maybe, I think a player like Alaba will also benefit from this. It would suit him. Yes, it would. I think it will benefit Real Madrid a lot in, in this regard. I think Alaba is, is showing that he probably didn't grow and develop as a pure center back in some of these uh, low blocks that Ancelotti is I playing in, in these big games. You can definitely sense that he wasn't playing that spot when growing up. You know, he's, so, yes, 100%. Yeah, it, this is a val- very, very good point. Uh, he's not the type of center back who is going to be ideal in a situation where he's pinned into his own box trying to defend players who are bigger than him. Exactly. Yeah, I'm I mean, not saying that's what happened against Barca. I'm just as a general point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's not the, stereoty- the stereotypical 
Italian Uruguayan center back, you know, very comfortable playing inside the box, clearing crosses, and Walter Samuel like type of defender, right? Materazzi, all these guys. So um, I think this this playing style would benefit Real Madrid. It would also, you know, it definitely would benefit the midfielders and the attackers, and I also think it would benefit the the worst defender you can find on Real Madrid's team so far this season, who has been Alaba. I think if Alaba were to be able to kind of use his distribution skills a little bit more, his speed also, his ability to track back, his experience to you know to have keep an eye on 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 the one and only striker who might be able to to be a threat on counterattacking, I think it would benefit. So I would love to see Real Madrid playing with a less conservative approach, or at least try it, you know, in some games. Try it in some games here and there and see if this is sustainable for the... For the, for the biggest games in the big stages. Maybe, you know, definitely if you try it against Rayo and Rayo managed to score twice past you, you can definitely say that it's not the way to go the same way that it wasn't the way to go when Real Madrid were considering like crazy against these teams I just mentioned, Shakhtar, uh, Levante, Sheriff back in the day, right? The, the writing was on the wall then. It will be on the wall now if you, if it doesn't work against the smaller teams. But I would love to see it, man. I would love to see Ancelotti being more uh, brave, if you will, more uh, yeah, less conservative with his with his approach. But I think he definitely has the personnel to do it, and I think not only he has the personnel to do it, I think it would be a playing style which would suit the team's uh, personnel way better than than the current playing style. I agree with that. I think I don't mind conservative football, but I think the problem we run into is that you eventually come up against a team that doesn't care about your plan to conserve energy and press in the second half, like we did against City last season at the Hut. Like the hole was just too big. So this and this is the thing I continually bring up: conservative football doesn't actually lead to better defense. It doesn't. Like this is not these these are things that are not correlated. Just because you sit back and absorb pressure doesn't mean your defense will improve. In fact, you put yourself under more defensive pressure. This is why a lot of elite teams over the years have learned the best form of defense is to bring the the ball up the pitch, knock around the final third, and win it high up the pitch. To actually so that you don't actually have to test your goalkeeper and your backline as much as you would defending in a low block, if you're not geared to play that way. And I also think that maybe this is my my Chabi Alonso fanboy colored glasses that I'm wearing, but I, I watch that team play. I'm like, these guys don't care who is who they're up against, whether it's the last team in the Bundesliga or Bayern Munich, who are way more talented and have way more money and a bigger budget than them. They just go and play their way. They're going to press you high up the pitch. They're going to win it high up the pitch, and they're going to play that way. And I just like I'm looking at Leverkusen's roster. I'm looking at our roster. I'm like, there's no way, there's no reason why we can't take the game to Barca from the beginning. Away. And again, like it doesn't mean you have to go all out the other extreme. But I also feel like you're 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 just limiting your own chances by putting your backline under that much pressure and relying on. Let's be honest. As much as the second half we improved. A Bellingham goal that was 0.01 on the XG chart that a normal human mortal would not score. Like he's just on a different level right now. So we have the 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 trump card, the bailout card of Bellingham, but it does need to improve. But I will say again, I really liked our performance in the last 30 minutes or so. 
Mm-hmm. It was very good. Yeah, but you can, do, side. you can play the same way for the entirety of the game, I think. I mean, why not? You have five substitutions. You have the depth. You have depth. You can do you it. You have the depth. I mean, fatigue is not an excuse. I don't think you have a young midfield. It's not like you're playing. Cross is not young, but granted, you can introduce some midfielders here and there. So you can play that way. I don't know why you would dig yourself a hole and then expect to come back and play well for the last third of the game. I think you have the personnel to do that for the entirety of the game and take the game to Barcelona. Maybe not to other teams in Europe. Definitely, maybe not to Manchester City, for example. I don't think Real Madrid have the midfield to compete for the ball with Manchester City. I don't think so. But uh, for Barcelona, with this version of Barcelona, I think you definitely can. So, And also, I think of a backline of Carvajal, Rudiger, Alaba, and Mendy. I don't see why those four would struggle against counter-attacking opportunities. I mean, they, they are quick as hell. They're physical. I don't know why. I don't... I struggle to find, and also add to a many there in front of them. I don't see a reason why those five would struggle defending counterattacking chances. I don't. It's just as pretty much as as perfect as you can find in if in world football to defend counterattacking opportunities with yeah. those five. I think. Yeah, you have you have the physical ability. Like this is because, not like yeah. Yeah, sorry, Kian. I I just it just came to my mind that. You know, Ancelotti, when, when he changed his mind uh, two years ago, Casemiro actually, you could see maybe his legs weren't there when defending counterattacks, right? You could see that maybe he wasn't as fast tracking back in counterattacks and, and helping the back line. So I think Tuameni is a, an upgrade in terms of when compared at least to that last version of Casemiro we saw when Real Madrid were trying to implement a, a, a possession-oriented style of football. I think Casemiro was then starting the season in good form. I think we all noted and acknowledged that. And I think that was one of the main reasons why Real Madrid were struggling so much defending counterattacks. Now you have too many. You also have Rudiger, who is, <laughs> again, I dare you to name like three better centre-backs than him against uh, counter-attacking uh, teams. I think he would be brilliant in, the, in that regard. And also Mendy and Carvajal are, are physical and fast. So I don't, I don't see why the team will struggle against, uh, against a counter-attacking team. I think we have the tools to play that way. Because, like, you know, the emergency scenario where your, your high line does get beat and you need, a, you know, a system to track that, we have the tools at our disposal to play that way. And, you know, maybe this is, a, I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing, but Kepa is like one of the most aggressive keepers in Europe when it comes to right. coming off his line and sweeping that up. Yep. So you have that as well. But yeah, look, I, I, I kind of do believe that we have the tools to play that way. But in, in for a large majority of our games, this system has worked. But the problem is sometimes you might just dig yourself too much of a hole um, and not have enough in the tank for the final surge. So that that's that's what concerns me ultimately. Uh, do you have any concluding thoughts, Lucas, before we wrap it up here? Not really. I think we covered it all. I think that uh, we did a good job wrapping wrapping things up, and hopefully, you know, Real Madrid can use these next five days to improve their legs, get some rest. I think Benitez acknowledges this after the game that the team needs it, so they can get some rest and and get ready for. I think it will be a, an intense next two months in terms of, you know, keeping their composure and making sure they show up 
in every game, even against the smaller teams. It's uh, it's one of those things you need to do to win La Liga. And that's why La Liga is so hard to win. You need to show up every single day. You cannot skip uh, a game against an away game against an away game against Getafe in, in January in the cold winter in, in Getafe. So you need to show up and that's why it's so tiring and so demanding from a from a psychological standpoint. So hopefully they can they can do it. When are we doing mailbag this week? Uh that will be Friday if you can, yeah. Okay. So this is the last free show of the week. Uh on Wednesday we'll do a live call on Zoom for members. And then Friday, Lucas and I will be doing a mailbag, and we might do something else as well. But uh, if you want access to the live call on the mailbag and also submit your questions, join the live call, get access to the whole thing afterwards, become a member over on patreon.com slash managingmadrid where you get a ton of bonus content. And you can also, if you, if for whatever reason, Patreon does not work in your country, we, we have that situation. We've also opened up YouTube memberships. You can go on the membership tab on YouTube and become a YouTube member, and you'll get access to the same amount of content uh, as well. So go and do that if you enjoy the show and you want more. We'd love to have you in the family. Lucas, thank you, man. Thank you, Kian. Yes, sir. Appreciate it. We'll chat on Friday. Take care, buddy. You too. Sports Social Podcast Network.